0: There's two phrases or two instances in the Old Testament that are in one in the old and one in the new that are really powerful. In the book of Ezekiel, as they were in the midst of the impending destruction of Jerusalem and the judgment on Israel, gone through the prophet says, do you think I take any delight at all in the judgment of the wicked? He said, absolutely not. God said, all I hope is that they would just return to me. Jesus, in the context of the New Testament, as he's observing the people in Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, I wish I could gather you like a mother gathers her chickens together, but you are unwilling. Folks, the heart of God is always, always for people to come home. And so as we look on the board in the back, there's a bunch of healthy missional markers, and one of them, of course, is intentional evangelism. When it comes to mind when we hear the term evangelism, it conjures up all kinds of images in our mind. And you think about that. Some are positive, some are negative. But before I go any farther, let me pray. Father, take these words, <clears throat> in my mouth, and the words that have already been spoken. Father, may they burrow in our hearts as we seek to be your people in this world. Amen. It conjures up all kinds of positive and all kinds of negative connotations. But you know, it's so exciting to hear the stories of people who encountered Jesus. The demoniac, it's a powerful story. When he encountered Christ, all he could do was just run home and tell everybody what Jesus had done for him. It was so overwhelming, his encounter with Jesus. And Philip, when he came to understand who that one in the Old Testament from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, was... We understood that there was a Savior who came for him. His life was transformed, and he went back. And of course, the Ethiopian church is one of the oldest churches on record. I was talking to a person the other day, and they said, you know, I've been married to a Christian for five years, and I don't really have much of a story. Well, what story do I tell about the changes in my life? And I said, well, let's talk for a minute. Let's talk. I know you. And we talked for a bit about the things that were happening in their lives, and they came to realize that what they were five years ago is not what they are now, the kind of person they are. And that's because of the power of Christ that dramatically changes us. Some of us, it's more dramatic. Others, it happens over time. I appreciated a lot the the, the, the tool that was used in the covenant of bringing your world to Christ, which basically said you have people in your life that you care about in your immediate sphere of influence. Why don't you just spend time praying that God would give you the moment, the time, the opportunity where you could share Christ. And folks, I really encourage us to continue to do that. Think of a person in your life and just say, God, I'm going to commit to prayer that you would bring the opportunity that I could share the story of Christ. I have a wonderful platform as a pastor because I have funerals and weddings that I do, and there isn't one of them that I've done that I haven't used the opportunity to share the reality of Christ and the good news. Folks, if there aren't stories of conversions in the life of a church, our church, it's not a healthy church. If the stories of us going out into the world and touching lives doesn't bring back to us to share and celebrate the stories of conversions, it's not a healthy church. There's a big elephant in the room when we talk about the gospel. And it comes from the words of Jesus. Through the word, through the writer of John, who was one of the closest associates of Jesus, where Jesus exclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That is a very exclusive message. That is a very, very exclusive path that the only way that one comes to the Father is through Christ and him alone. Now, we can go into the idea of what happens to those that haven't heard of Jesus explicitly and what is God doing in their lives as he's reaching out to people all over the world if they haven't explicitly understood or heard of Christ. I'll leave that one to God. He's doing marvelous things in the world. But the only means of salvation for all human beings, known or unknown, is the person of Jesus Christ. It's a very, very exclusive message. And when we encounter a world like they did, a pluralistic world of the ancient world, To the Jew, it was a stumbling block, and to the the Gentiles, it was utter foolishness that a Savior would die for humanity. C.S. Lewis, commenting on evangelism, says, As Christians, we are tempted to make unnecessary concessions to those outside the faith. We give in too much. Now, I don't mean that we should run the risk of making a nuisance of ourselves by witnessing at improper times, but there comes a time when we show that we disagree. We must show our Christian colors if we are to be true, To Jesus Christ we cannot remain silent or concede anything away and so the challenge that we face as the people of faith is do we really believe are we convinced that the powerful message of God's grace is the message and the hope for humanity or are we just people who lack courage if we're honest we don't want to confront a world which often will scorn any message of exclusivity particularly the good news of Christ The beauty of it is that we don't save anybody. The beauty of it is that it's the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. He only calls us to be messengers. Messengers of the truth of God. I love the passage in the book of Acts. We could look to many passages that talk about the transformation that happens in people's lives when they encounter Jesus, but... We see in chapter 2, you know, in the book of Acts, there's a great, powerful Pentecost that happened where the distribution of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ was distributed all over the known world through people who heard in their own language and the coming of the powerful Holy Spirit that was promised in the Old Testament. Powerful messages were preached, particularly of Peter, who was bold at this stage of his experience with Jesus, and he preached a powerful message showing Christ from the Old Testament. They established a dynamic Christian community that reached out and ministered to people, whoever was in the fold and outside the fold. And in chapter 3, Peter heals a lame beggar, and it causes quite a stir. Peter gives a a recitation of the Old Testament claims of the coming Messiah that was fulfilled in Christ Jesus. He gave the big picture story. We need to know the big picture story. Over 5,000 new converts came to faith in Christ. As expected, they were pulled into the Sanhedrin to explain their actions. They were greatly distressed with the apostles' teachings. Peter does not back down for a minute. He exclaims that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given him under heaven by which we must be saved. Peter lines up with Jesus. They were astonished by their courage and the power of their teaching, and they noted that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that something? They had been with Jesus. They called in Peter and John and commanded them to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. They responded, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or him, to Jesus. You be the judge. As for us, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After this, they returned to the community of faith, and they debriefed. They prayed together, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Exciting stuff powerful things were happening in the life of the church i was growing up there was a movement to try to duplicate the, the first century church duplicate the form if you duplicate the form you can get the vitality well i don't think the purpose is to duplicate the form folks but to think about reliving the spirit and heart of the early church today would be a powerful thing so simply from this passage i want to give us just three things to think about this morning when we are called to share the good news, first of all, we have to ask the question, do you have confidence in the message? Do you have confidence in the message? Do you have confidence this is the only means by which people come to God? Do you have confidence that this is the only means by which people can experience genuine hope? Other religions of the world, other secular plans do not provide the ultimate hope that Jesus provides for us. Peter saw the Old Testament fulfillment of the stone which the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone, which is salvation and no one else. He could not stop speaking what he saw and he heard. He believed with all confidence in the powerful message of Christ. And folks, we live in a pluralistic world. We live in a world that, that scorns the idea that there is such something of an absolute path to God. We must realize that as we enter into the world to share the good news of Christ. But do we believe, do we have confidence in the message that it is the means by which people come to God, the story of all stories of Christ? I think also one of the issues is courage. We need to have courage to share a story. They were warned and threatened not to share. They had confidence and courage and great boldness over and over in this passage, regardless of the cost. They spoke the word with constant boldness. The question for us, do we believe the word is true? Confidence in the message should bring courage to share our story. There's two parts of the story. One is is the short story about how Christ has touched your life and mine. We had to be prepared at any moment to, to share what Christ had done for us, what he has done for us, and what he's doing in our lives. Because we don't know the opportunities God will bring to us, but there's a greater story when you can engage in a deeper relationship with people. They can see the bigger picture. They can see the picture that God had from the beginning and what he's doing now and bringing people to himself. Folks, we have to have courage if we believe It's true. And we believe it's the only hope for humanity. We believe that Jesus says there's two paths one that leads to life, one that leads to death, destruction. We have, folks, the message of hope. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Folks, we also need encouragement from fellow believers. They re- when they went back, they reported the stories, encouraging stories. They prayed together. When John and Peter were released from reten- detention, they went right to their companions. They gathered together. They prayed together. Folks, we need each other for strength. We need to come back when we're out there in the, in the trenches of life to come back to each other and encourage each other. We're not going to be received so widely if we're honest. We're not going to be received so widely, even though the message of grace is so powerful. But, folks, we need each other to encourage each other to keep going because, remember, folks, we have the message of ultimate hope. Let I me mean, add a little secret. You know how they turned the world upside down in the first century, first few centuries? They didn't have a big plan, big program. The power of the Holy Spirit, and they simply shared Christ in their every endeav- all their endeavors of life. They didn't have to have a plan that they laid out. They didn't have to have a strategy laid out. All they did in the workplace out in the, in the community, where they were with their families, other families, all they did was simply share Christ. It was the greatest movement, grassroots movement, because they just simply did it. It was part of their ever-existence and their daily existence. Folks, that's happening in Iran, and some of the major publications speak of the revival that's having happening in Iran, the fastest-growing church in the world. Millions of people coming to faith in Christ. You see the bankruptcy of their religion. They see. They say we just are disciples of Christ. We're not building buildings. We can't build buildings. It doesn't matter. All we're doing is becoming followers of Jesus. The greatest subversive countercultural movement is the movement of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is building his church all over the world, and it's powerful what he's doing. It's powerful that when you see all that God is doing as people are coming to faith in Christ all over the world, and all He says to us today is just partner in this great cause, the transformation that comes in people's lives because of the story of Christ, which becomes our story. It's the right message, folks. It causes us to have courage. The Spirit gives us courage. And folks, we're not alone. We need each other. I'll never forget in the, the movie The Bible where Jesus goes and calls his disciples and he goes and calls Peter. And they have this little conversation with Peter and Peter says, well, what, do you, what, what, do you, why, what are we going to do? Why do you want me as your disciples? What are we going to do? And I'll never forget when Jesus said, Peter, you come and join me. We're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious God, we... What a privilege that you've allowed us by the power of your grace through Christ to be children of God. Father, it's not about human performance. It's not about a religious system. It's not about us. It's about you. Your grace has reached into our lives as broken people and given us hope. Father, we need to live it. We need to proclaim it. In the name of Christ, Amen.